Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Michael Cannon. Michael is the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Dr. George Markovich will be joining us. He's uh, my orthopedic surgeon. Really, I count on him a lot. He's done a great job for me. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is November the 5th, and on this day in 1940, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected for the unprecedented third term as president of the United States with the promise of maintaining American neutrality as far as foreign wars were concerned. But as Hitler's war spread and the desperation of Britain grew, the president fought for passage of the Lend-Lease Act in Congress in, in March 1941, which would commit financial aid to Great Britain and other allies. In August, Roosevelt met with British Prime Minister Winston Churchill to proclaim the Atlantic Charter, which would become the basis of the United Nations. They also drafted a statement that to the effect that the United States would be compelled to take uh, countermeasures should the Japanese further encroach in the Southwest Pacific. Despite ongoing negotiations with Japan, that further encroachment took in the form of a Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor, to quote uh, Roosevelt, a day that would live in infamy. The next day, Roosevelt requested and received a declaration of war against Japan. On December the 11th, Germany and Italy declared war on the United States. Certain wartime decisions by Roosevelt proved controversial, such as the demand of unconditional surrender of the Axis powers, which some claim prolonged the war. Another was the acquiescence to Joseph Stalin of certain territories in the Far East in exchange for his support in the war against Japan. Roosevelt is often accused of being too naive where Stalin was concerned, especially in regard to Uncle Joe's own imperial desires. Re-elected for the third term on this day in 1940. Uh, he was actually elected for the fourth term, but there sh- died shortly thereafter, and that's when Truman took over his vice president. Well, the For- Florida Department of Health reported 70 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths on Wednesday, with uh, there were 46 patients in the hospital in Collier Counties. That's an increase, about 50% increase, but it's certainly not uh, weighing heavily on the hospital beds in Collier County. The Associated Press has not yet declared winners of the presidential contests in Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, or Michigan. Uh, President Donald Trump, however, has declared that he has carried the states. Trump tweeted Wednesday that he has claimed for electoral purposes the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which won't allow legal observers, the state of Georgia, the state of North Carolina, each of which has a big Trump lead. Additionally, we hereby claim the state of Michigan if, in fact, he says there were a large number of secretly dumped ballots as been previously and widely reported. Well, there have been, and we'll more about that in a moment. Joe Biden has had a slight lead on President Trump in the key swing state of Michigan, with 96% of the votes reported, uh, with uh, Biden having a lead, the state is essential to Trump's re-election, as even if he wins Pennsylvania and Georgia, he can't afford to lose both Michigan and Wisconsin, unless Arizona ends up being decided in Trump's favor, which, by the way, it may. Uh, Fox News and the Associated Press have now called Arizona for Biden, but the percent of votes reported has turned up to be less than initially reported, and many Republicans leaning counties have yet to be counted. So Certainly, Arizona is in play and uh, could be won by the uh, Trump campaign. Uh, the Associated Press called Wisconsin for Biden after the election. Officials in the state said all outstanding ballots had been counted see, for a few hundred of, in a township and expected small number of provisional ballots. But the Trump's campaign has requested a recount. Statewide recounts in Wisconsin have historically changed the vote tally by only a few hundred votes, but uh, there were some... Uh, crazy things going on at the early hours on uh, Tuesday morning, and we're, or Wednesday morning, I should say. We'll find out about that. 
Uh, absentee ballot counting in Detroit descended into cl- chaos on Wednesday when hundreds of unofficial Republican observers concerned about fraud converged on the counting location. The city of Detroit is using TCF Center, formerly Cobo Hall, to count all the absentee ballots. Well, the Republicans and uh, Trump supporters grew alarmed as uh, Trump was holding a strong lead in the state during the early counting areas, only to be ha- see it evaporate as mailed-in ballots were counted in historically Democrat areas. Uh, so uh, they actually put up cardboard and pizza boxes and so forth on the windows so they couldn't be observed. You think there's any hanky-panky going on there? I would certainly expect so. So I'm paraphrasing the Federalist John Davidson's excellent analysis here, but could it be that the Democratic Party machine in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania are trying to steal the election? I think all the evidence suggests absolutely, and this is such a concerted and coordinated effort. As reporters and commentators went to bed early Tuesday morning, all three states were too close to call, but President Trump led former Vice President Joe Biden by comfortable margins far beyond what had been predicted in the polls. None of the networks called these states because enough mail-in ballots remained uncounted. It could swing either way, but Trump's position looked good. Then something strange happened. In the dead of the night, in both Michigan and Wisconsin, vote dumps early Wednesday morning showed 100% of the votes going to Biden, 0%. That's right, zero, not even one vote for Trump. In Michigan, Biden somehow got 138,339 votes, and Trump got none, zero, in an overnight vote dump. When Sean David noticed this, Davis, he's uh, with uh, uh, the Federals, uh, Twitter quick to censor his uh, Twitter censored his tweet, even though all he had done was compare two sets of vote totals on the New York Times website. And he wasn't the only one who was noticed, although on... uh, Wednesday, it appeared that anyone who noted the uh, Biden vote dump in Michigan was getting censored by Twitter. Others were quick to note that the partisan censorship from Twitter was ra- and raised concerns over 100% of the vote dump could possibly go to Biden. But the social media giant had maintained its crackdown on sharing this information. Twitter users could not like or share a tweet from a Daily Wire's Matt Walsh noting the 138,339 vote dump. Does that look like a conspiracy to you? It certainly does to me. BuzzFeed later reported that according to a spokesperson at the decision desk, HQ, the votes for Biden were the result of a data error from a file created by the state that uh, we ingested. This is a quote now. So when the state noticed the error, it updated its count, which somehow gave Biden 138,339 votes and zero to Trump. It turned out the vote dump was the result of an alleged typo an extra zero that had been tacked on to Biden's vote total in uh, one of the counties in Michigan. It seems the error was discovered only because Davis and other Twitter users noted how insane and suspicious the vote total looked and demanded an investigation that uncovered what was either a typo or an incredibly clumsy attempt to boost Biden's vote count. There's also something suspicious about the vote reporting in another county where Trump beat Hillary Clinton by 30 points in 2016. Initial vote totals there showed Biden ahead of Trump by 29 points. Is that possible? A result that can't possibly be accurate, as plenty of journalists have noted. After the strange result caught national attention, election officials in this county said they were investigating what they called skewed results working with a company that provides these their election software to see what went wrong. The county clerk said the plan to have an answer by Wednesday afternoon. This and uh, Then another mysterious all-Biden vote dump happened in Wisconsin. Biden miraculously overcame a 4.1-point uh, Trump lead in the middle of the night thanks to a vote dump in which he got, you guessed it, 100% of the votes and Trump got zero. This looks very suspicious to me. On Wednesday, the Trump campaign demanded a full recount in Wisconsin, citing reports of irregularities in several Wisconsin counties which raised serious doubts about the validity of the results. In Pennsylvania, Democrats' scheme to steal the election is a bit different. Rather than vote dumps, they possibly go to 100% to Biden. Pennsylvania is relying on the Democrat Secretary of State's plan to count indisputably late mail-in ballots as though they were received on Election Day, even though they have no postmark. Clearly against the law. This plan was, of course, rubber-stamped by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which cited the need for equitable relief to address uh, the many delays amid the pandemic. Uh, 
So this is that is just about ballots that come in after election day, but about ballots that come in after election day that don't even have a postmark. That is, in no way could they tell if the ballots were mailed or from somewhere else. Although it's true that long delays were seen for absentee ballot counts are due to in part to state laws in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania that prohibit the counting of absentee ballots before election day, which is not the case in most states, for example, Florida. But the cumulative circumstances under which these absentee ballots are now being tallied is very suspicious. Unless election officials in Wisconsin, Michigan can explain the oversight uh, overnight vote dumps, and in Michigan, the typo that appeared in, to benefit Biden, the Pennsylvania officials can explain their rationale for counting ballots with no postmark. The only possible conclusion one can come to right now is that the Democrats are trying to steal the election in the Midwest. Isn't that something? And you know what? As I understand it, I haven't validated this, but uh, all the ballots that can be used in the election have a radio type, radioactive isotope watermark on the ballot. So that, that would be an interesting question to see if those ballots, in fact, have uh, that mark. On a positive note, more than 90% of Cuyahoga County actively registered voters cast ballots in 2020 in the general election, a new record for the county and the highest rate in Florida, according to unofficial returns on Wednesday. Congratulations to Cuyahoga County. We showed up, and uh, we're proud of it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, I want to mention St. Matthew's House just opened Lulu's Kitchen, and it was provided by the uh, donation from the uh, Holacek Foundation. And, uh, of course, 
Jerry Holacek is, runs uh, Lulabee's uh, Diner right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job for breakfast and lunch. I hope you patronize them. And they're by the way, they're offering takeout for breakfast and lunch using Uber Eats as well. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. As I mentioned before the break, he is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Uh, and I'm a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Very proud of it. Keith, tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Sure. Uh well, we got started back in 2012, as you remember, and uh, we're focused on K-12 through education uh, reform. To us, that means really strongly advocating for school choice options. Uh, we're big fans and supporters of the, of the actually six um, scholarship programs here in Florida. And we also fight the indoctrination that's taking place in our school systems. A great organization. The website is goflca.com, goflca.org. Either one works. And also, you have another website, Keith. Right. We just created a new website. It's been up for about two months, and it's getting really strong reviews from parents. We designed it for parents. Uh, and the intent of the website is um, to give to really help parents focus on the alternatives to government schools. Yeah. Uh, we have major part of that uh, website focusing on homeschooling. Uh, we done a partnership with uh, with uh, classical conversations which is a faith-based home uh, co-op uh, homeschool type organization that do amazing work and uh, we're also uh, have formed a partnership with a virtual school uh, called the freedom project academy so uh, we we try to provide resources to parents who are struggling with their government schools for for whatever reason yeah uh, to give their child a better education Again, the website is, uh, f- uh, say it again, Keith? LibertyScholar.org. LibertyScholar.org is, is the uh, website. So, Keith, uh, talk about propaganda in schools. Uh, we're, right now, I just can't believe the number of people in this election. It's really surprised me how many people support what I believe Biden represents, uh, a movement towards the left, towards socialism. Uh, it's a power grab, and what I'm seeing right now with regard to this election, it's not some rogue electors out there or, or peop- vote counters. This looks very coordinated to me to try and steal this election. How much do you think our school system has to do with what's happened today? Oh, I think it's uh, I, I think it's totally uh, related. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by a by a guy by the name of Vladimir Lenin. You remember the Russian guy? Oh, yeah, the Russian guy, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me your children for four years, and the seeds I've sown will never be uprooted. In the, in the education arena here in the U.S., we've given uh, our children uh, to 100 years of, of uh, the left, yeah. and it's grown in intensity. Um, but well over two generations of children, uh, we've, we've handed them off to... Um, the left, and then we get surprised when uh, what we see. I mean, it struck me yesterday just thinking about this: seventy mil, over seventy million voters, assuming there's a voter behind every one of those tallied mm-hmm. votes. Uh, seventy million voters in this country voted for socialism, globalization, and the destruction of our constitutional republic. To me, that's just mind-boggling. And how about uh, the uh, voting for? teacher unions, uh, reduction or, or elimination of uh, charter schools, and you can go on uh, with regard to that th- that as well. So this is really a disturbing development. And this is not a matter of compromise with the left. These people are way out there to the left. They're going to take our country in a total di- different direction than what the con- Constitution established for us. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I just, you know, I'm struggling personally with... Uh, uh, wh- wh- where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's let's hope that uh, Trump pulls this out. But uh, if he doesn't, um, you know, wh- uh, one other quote that I'm reminded of that uh, I-, I actually looked it up this morning because I've heard various different versions of it. But John Quincy Adams said way back when, mm-hmm. remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and merges itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that's prophetic. And, uh, it is and, prophetic. Uh, we're killing our constitutional republic. 
Uh, I mean, look at what they're proposing to do, pack the courts, uh, change the whole uh, court structure underneath that. Um, Make Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico state so they have four more liberal senators. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, my hope with Donald Trump, quite frankly, is that he, by serving another four years, he might save the republic another 40 years because I think John Quincy Adams is all absolutely right. And we can just see what happened to this nation in the last couple hundred years and what direction it's gone. And the unfortunate thing to me, Keith, is we're seeing... It accelerates. It's gaining speed at the uh, at the expense of uh, liberty and expense of freedom, expense of uh, constitutional rights. Uh, you couldn't be more correct than that, Bob. I mean, you know, just uh, and and I've been focused on this from uh, uh, once once I retired for the last uh, almost twenty years now. Kind of time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah. It's accelerating at. at at, at a faster and faster pace, um, just look at what's going on. I mean, it's just—it's hard to—it's uh, hard to wrap your arms around. I think it is indeed open borders. I mean, you just go down the list. Well, uh, again, I don't think uh, you know. In the past, we've always said, "Let's play fair." Well, we lost it this time. Golly, we'll just win it next time. No, sir. I think the president's really geared up to make serious legal challenges against what's happening because as i mentioned i don't think this is a rogue elector out there some person that's tried to steal some votes this all looks very coordinated to me i think it was a plan you have biden in the basement knowing full well that what they were going to do i think the plan was in place before you know 30 60 days before he would ever uh in fact, probably was in place the day he was nominated to become the presidential candidate for the Democrat Party. So we need to get to the bottom of this. My hope is the president and his legal staff will do just that. Yeah. Well, if if he doesn't prevail, you know, all of this, um, all of this that we were hearing about that the that the social media was shutting down will will just get buried. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, Keith, I would just want to say you're doing great work. Again, what you do can actually result in having a more educated and responsible electorate going forward, but it's going to take some 10, 10 15, 20 years to make it happen. But you're, you're, uh, you're Johnny Appleseed in terms of freedom, so we just <laughs> really appreciate it. Appreciate your efforts. Okay, well, I appreciate the comments, and uh, we're going to keep driving forward. It's not time to... Quit, so. No, it certainly isn't. We we all have to have resolve, and um, you know maintain the uh, maintain the faith. Again, goflca.org is the website. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care, Bob. You as well. Thank you. Uh, coming up, a little less uh, lilt in uh, Keith's voice. You know, you could. I think this is all getting to all getting to us that uh, are freedom lovers. Going to come up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. He's director of health studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. 
Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And get tickets now by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. Well, seeing some interesting developments here in terms of the presidential election, I think probably is going to be widely contested, but I think, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about the changes that we might expect if, in fact, we end up with a President uh, Biden. I think one of the things that he's, well, no, I'm not for single-payer uh, system, but I think everybody that's uh, on his side, I think, would like to move in that direction. I'd like to, to have you opine a little bit about what that might look like. Well, I think it's important to recognize that Democrats, Democrats are not united around this issue. There are a lot of Democrats who don't like the idea of a single-payer system. Mm -hmm. There was uh, dissension within the ranks during the Democratic primary. You had Bernie Sanders and even Kamala Harris supporting a single-payer approach, but Joe Biden said no throughout. Now, uh, and there's, uh, there are others who are even stronger uh, uh, opponents of a single-payer approach. Actually, one of them was Bill Clinton's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Donna Shalala, who was a well, who who is a member of Congress, but lost her reelection bid yeah. on Tuesday. Uh, she she ran the Medicare program, right? And she said that most people who support single payer have no idea how Medicare works. Uh, as someone who's run the program, she says it's not that good a program, and we shouldn't throw people out of better private insurance in order to shove them all into a single-payer plan where they have no choice. Now, that said, Joe Biden has uh, endorsed a public option approach that eventually would bring us to a single-payer plan where nobody has any choice. So you might say there's not that much difference, mm -hmm. uh, but, there, but there is some, some diversity of opinion among Democrats on this point. Well, to me, it sounds like you're, what you're saying is that there's everybody wants to go to the same place, maybe at different speeds. I, well, and you could say the same thing about Republicans and Libertarians, that we all want to get to the same place, which is uh, a, a health care sector that makes health care better and more affordable and more secure all the time. We just, just have different ideas about how to get there. Right. And, um, and, and I think that single-payer is the absolute wrong way to get there because... First of all, it denies your right to make your own health care decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, second, it leaves you with worse health care. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I think the, the important point here is that ultimately this all has to be managed. And what that leads to is a reduction in accessibility of health care providers, does it not? And I'm talking about single payer. That, if you're talking about... Uh, your choice of doctors and whether you're going to be able to keep your doctor, whether you're going to be able to find a doctor when you need one to get the uh, care that you need when you need it, uh, that could be a problem under a single-payer system. Uh, that's, that is a problem for a lot of people enrolled in the Medicaid program here in the United States, in Canada's Medicare program, uh, but it doesn't necessarily, uh, a single-payer system doesn't necessarily have to work that way. Mm -hmm. The Medicare program is, in the United States is pretty close to a single-payer program. It provides a broad choice of doctors uh, at the 
them and the health that they will participate and give people prompt service. But the Medicare program here in the United States is also completely unaffordable for that reason. Yeah. It's be- the reason Medicare offers quicker access to care and a broader choice of doctors is because the Medicare program pays so much more, and it's the main reason why we face a long-term structural deficit at the federal level that is uh, that is going to bankrupt the government, bankrupt future generations, and that uh, that puts people's health care in a very precarious situation. Yeah, I mean, if you have this this, this deficit, eventually it cannot go on forever. And and in order to, and at some point, the government is going to have to stop spending money, or is going to have to st- stop spending as money on the Medicare program as it is, and that is going to threaten access to care yeah. for Medicare enrollees. Again, Michael Cannon, the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute, terrific organization, think tank in Washington, D.C., uh, favoring uh, you know libertarian ideas like taking individual responsibility and keeping the government out of our back pocket, out of our wallets, and out of our bedrooms, and out of our... Uh, <laughs> just for, for liberty, actually, I should say. So And out of our everything. Out of our everything. Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Mike, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He actually is my orthopedic surgeon. He placed both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful for it. We're going to do that more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity maximize your tax deduction support your favorite charity and help a local child in need by calling naples auto donation center naples auto donation center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer just call nadc at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there you get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by nadc goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, doing a lot of great things, including creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. Everybody wins. You can find out more by visiting the FGA.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, my orthopedic surgeon. Did a great job for me. Replaced both of my knees in 2006. And as I like to say, it's the only part of my body that doesn't hurt. (laughs) Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Doctor. So, uh, you know, you're in the trenches and uh, in healthcare and uh, doing doing uh, great things. Uh, what do you do? You want to comment at all about the election? There was an election. Yeah, oh, boy, I'll tell you, <laughs> amazing stuff. You know, um, and I prefer being in the trenches, and I work very, very hard to try to, you know, keep myself away from getting too, you know focused on things that are very confusing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we had an election, obviously, Mm -hmm. coronavirus versus the economy, Mm -hmm. socialism versus capitalism, Mm -hmm. corruption versus, I think, integrity, even though, you know, there's a lot of of finger-pointing otherwise, rule-changing versus rule of law, Uh, suburban women feeling, you know, a certain way and and men feeling another, perhaps. Uh, Hopefully that's not a sexist comment. It's just an observation. Yeah. Ballot manipulation and harvesting, uh, you know, convicted 
felons, illegal aliens, dead people voting, and, you know, closing the method off from people that are supposed to look over to make sure things are done uh, correctly versus historical methods, which have worked for, you know, decades. And it's seemingly straight down the middle, so no mandate. Mm -hmm. Um, However, uh, I'm concerned, you know, I'm concerned because obviously the, the things that I talked about in the one versus the other is one party versus the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden uh, is not a problem solver. Yeah. And I think that our current president was a problem solver. He may, you know, solve them in a non-pretty fashion. Yeah. Uh, but I think there was peace and prosperity mm-hmm. until uh, a lot of focus was on... Uh, you know, a pandemic, and there's, you know, obviously very nuances to that. The testing, the antibody, the viral circulation, uh, affecting some population centers other than uh, uh, more than others, 85% of people that get affected are over 70 years old. And, you know, it's, it's just a confusing time. Uh-huh. Uh, in 2000, we had to, you know, wait over a month to figure out what was going on, and we may do the same here. You know, great summary, Doctor. I mean, it's uh, what what I believe, though, is of everything that I see is I think this is the plan all along. The president, uh, vice president, is in the basement. Uh, Joe Biden, he's not coming out. He's not campaigning like he wants to win. And I think the whole notion was, look, the president's going to win his second term. So how are we going to be able to uh, manipulate the votes and, and do what we need to do in order to win this thing? I, you know, this is all happening in the back room. To me... It all looks very coordinated. It's not some rogue person that's working, a volunteer that's uh, bringing in some extra votes. I think this is all planned way ahead of time. Agreed. And uh, I've heard, uh, and and there's some corroboration to that, Um, back when Pelosi took over the gavel a couple of years ago, H.R. 1 was a bill that was supposed to be election reform. It was one because it was their top priority. And it failed in the Senate. However, a lot of the things that they wanted to do in terms of changing things, and they used the pandemic as a excuse, has been done in Democratic-run uh, uh, areas. And as you know, local and state-run elections, yeah. uh, not the federal government. So <clears throat> there's a lot of funny business going on in Georgia and Arizona and Nevada and Pennsylvania. And this was, as you implied, a orchestrated effort uh, to push things a certain direction, and it's not going to stop. The only solace I have, I take, is that uh, I think that the the head guy, however long he lasts, is inept, and I think there's not a mandate, there's not enough to push things in a uh, uh, aggressive tact. However. I could be wrong. Yeah, you know, he signaled that, look, I'm uh, Kamala's uh, running mate. And he suggested, he's sending a signal, dog whistle, if you want to use that word, that uh, perhaps he's going to step down and use the 25th Amendment to have her take office. And is any money more unlikable than Kamala in terms of, uh, can you imagine her as our president? Well, and Susan Rice, the Secretary of State, and, you know, oh, a, yeah. a lot of other people that have shown, uh, you know, some judgment issues in the past. I don't know. You know, Bob, I'd like to think that when people get an opportunity, they can rise to the occasion and do surprising things. And I think Donald Trump did that. Um, I think that uh, he's accomplished a a lot domestically before this uh, pandemic and and even during. And and now we're seeing some return of the economy. And overseas, uh, you know, our, our military, of which I was part of for 14 years, uh, had a uh, mission recently in Africa where they took back a hostage and, uh, you know, sent the people uh, that were responsible to an early demise. And that, I think, is strong leadership that creates those opportunities, yeah. not the, the, the surges and the, you know, uh, troops coming back in body bags every day because there's ambivalence towards uh, rules of engagement. Yeah. So, you know, I am concerned that the direction is not going to be the one that we all benefit from. 
Well said, Doctor. Let's you know get get into your wheelhouse here a little bit. And I wonder if we could, if you could comment on the pandemic. I mean, we're seeing cases go up around the world, actually, here in the United States. I'm not sure the death rate is going up, but what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I think you alluded to it. Uh, the death rate, to my knowledge, is not going up. Mm-hmm. And you know, a pandemic, uh, any viral uh, illness, it's like uh, ripples in a pond. The first ripple is higher than the other one and the other one and the other one until there's herd immunity and and things get under control. Mm -hmm. The thing about uh, coronavirus is most people are asymptomatic or have mild illnesses so that they keep going into the communities and spreading uh, the coronavirus. And when it spreads to somebody in a high concentration who has significant comorbidities, uh, diabetes, obesity, uh, older age, uh, and so forth, it has significant repercussions. I think that the case uh, increase is interesting because uh, is it antibodies? Is it real virus? How significant is it? Mm-hmm. The mortality rate is staying low. Mm-hmm. Our community has handled this well. So is it that across the country people are getting admitted to the hospital for other reasons and they're just happening to test positive? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it because hospitals have been stressed to the point that economically they need to fill their beds? Mm-hmm. I really don't know. However, the mortality rate is less than 1% mm-hmm. and lessening in a lot of areas. And I think that what we're seeing is uh, fear and the desire to try to control things to deliver a knockout punch. Uh, because if everybody stays away from everybody else for a couple of weeks, the incidence will lessen. And so um, that's called population control. Yeah. So interesting, Doctor. Well, we're just uh, we're watching this thing. I think the, the admonition to all of us is social distance. Uh, wear a mask, I guess, if you must. <laughs> My choice is not to do that, but irrespective of it, do take precautions to make sure that uh, you're, uh, you know, taking uh, caution for your neighbor as well as for yourself and your your family and your own health. Agreed, and, and I think that's just being a good neighbor and, and, and a good citizen. Uh, some of those things are getting obscured now, and, um, you know, mask use has its uh, pluses and minuses, and it's very soft science. There's nothing, you know, when I do a joint replacement, I know that there's years and years of data that indicate that when we eliminate arthritis, the pain goes away and function improves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wearing a mask and keeping away from people uh, doesn't have that kind of uh, data support. Um, it's uh, things in the epidemio- epidemiological circles, mm-hmm. of which epidemiologists are not clinicians and they're pessimistic people. Yeah. And, you know, there's risk-benefit ratios to uh, shutting down things to allow, uh, you know, people to feel better. Absolutely. Well said, Doug. Yeah. So I just if, uh, are people hesitant to uh, get treatment for arthritis and for joint replacement, that kind of thing, given this pandemic right now? Well, I think people are hesitant and they're scared about a lot of things right now. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we, when you can't sleep and you can't stand and you can't walk and, and you want to just have this, you know, horrible, terrible limitations and pain gone, uh, people seek out care. Mm-hmm. And we have never been busier and we oh. love taking care of people yeah. and we can do it safely and effectively. Uh, within the confines of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that uh, I worry more about, you know, cancer treatments and people who are immunocompromised and heart disease and things that, you know, can actually increase mortality rate, uh, drug use, opioid, you know, problems, mm-hmm. emotional, mental health issues, you know, those kind of things uh, I think are scary because they could be sociological and, and uh you know, very significant uh, population problems. Uh, In terms of seeking care for musculoskeletal illness, uh, you know, there's ways to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to end the conversation just by saying how grateful I am for what you've done for me. I mean, uh, it's just not replacing both of my knees, 
but you took care of me over a couple, course of a couple of years until the time was right when I finally came to you and said, Doc, I can't take the pain anymore. I can't sleep. And my wife had started listening to me groan. And uh, we took that action in May of 2006. And I'm so grateful uh, for the care that you gave me over this period of time and your friendship, Doctor. So I just want to remind our listeners, uh, if you have joint pain, call 482 Talk to Dr. George Markovich and his staff. Doctor, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob, and thank you so much. I feel the same way. Yeah, thank you, Doctor. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to be doing that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Often great productions this year, and also building a wonderful new performing arts center in downtown Naples. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is the website. We have with us the former mayor of uh, Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. Always a pleasure, especially at this exciting time. It is exciting, isn't it? It's just uh, <laughs> any, any, any thoughts yeah. on the election? You know, I, boy, Bob, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm, we've been we've been you know watching this morning. We had to shut it off last night. You can only take so much of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you're not going to really know any results. I mean, they're <laughs> excuse me. They're talking about by the time the lawsuits are filed and stop the vote and start the vote and whatever i mean it's pretty close i still think i still think that 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 um i mean it's a lot closer than some people think what what are your thoughts well i absolutely agree with this i think in well as i mentioned earlier in the show i think there's been a coordinated effort to try and quote unquote steal the election would be my thought and so uh, I, th- I think the president has anticipated this and has his legal team ready to challenge uh, what's happening in wisconsin michigan uh other uh, Pennsylvania, apparently, there's yeah. going yeah. through that process. So I, I think it's going to be drag. It's going to drag out for a long time, maybe into after uh, January the twentieth. I don't know, but I think this it's uh, it's just very sad. It's 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 really too bad. Well, it it really is. It can't just be a straight out. You know, hey, winner. You know, you win it, you get it. You you lose it, you say goodbye, or yep. you know, you whatever. But uh yeah so we'll we'll just we'll 
watch and uh, watch and wait, see what yeah. happens. The um, you know we we we're always talking. So you got you had your first cataract surgery. I did. I did have my first cataract surgery on Tuesday, election day. And uh, I can't believe it, but I'm sitting here right now doing my show without my glasses on. If I actually, I put on my glasses, and I tried it a couple of times. I said, holy mackerel, I can see better without my glasses than I can with, <laughs> with my glasses. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I remember, I'm talking about years ago when I first started doing it. Chris had, had them done, and, and she really had some, some, some bad ones. And so I remember, because she came home and, and took a nap, and... Um, when she woke up, she, the, you know, the bedroom clock right, was right on the nightstand, and she, like, said, oh, my gosh. Yeah. She usually has to reach for her glasses, you know, to see that what time it is. Yeah. She saw it, and she, it was like, the, like a miracle, you know what I mean? I, I do. Um, exactly. I know exactly so what you they, mean. They've done some great things with that. I mean, uh, good for you. That's awesome. Well, I, have, I had a great doctor. He did a nice job. Uh, now, friends of mine that I said, uh, I'm going to get some cataract surgery, they said, oh, you'll love it. It just takes a couple of minutes. You get in and out. It's great. Well, I went in there. I was surprised to say, oh, my God, I'm in a surgery center. And they go through this entire process. <laughs> it kind of freaked me out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal, but they move them right along. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, to, which, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it did take just a couple of minutes. I'm not questioning that, but the I respect the fact that the the cleanliness, the being in a surgical center, the doctor, the nurses. But it, you know, as I mentioned, it kind of freaked me out. It just was beyond my expectation. I, I guess I thought I was going to go in there. They just do something while I'm sitting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Exactly. Yeah. But, so, well, well, city. Uh, City Hall yesterday, they um, had their usual meeting, um, started at 8.30, and at 7.15 last night, the mayor said, well, I'm going to call this meeting um, because we we still have, they still had four agenda items uh, left to do, and uh, so then they, she decided, well, she said to the city manager, well, well, uh, can we put them on the next meeting, you know, and, and finish them up? And the city manager is looking like, where am I going to put them? Because all their meetings are, are just, uh, I just don't, Bob, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. But anyway, it's not for me to figure anymore. But I'll tell you something. That was another one from 830 in the morning till 715 last night. Unbelievable. I mean, you, you just can't function after X hours. You know what I mean? I've always had the belief that I tried to, any meeting that I was running, and I've run a bunch of them, I, I just try and end them within an hour. And I know you can't do that at a city council meeting, but, you know, no. the, the brain and mind can only endure what the rump can <laughs> can, can accept. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'd like to point yeah. out to our audience, because I think this is important. I mean, you've won and lost uh, political, uh, you know, and the, here's the thing, second place just doesn't feel that darn good. Uh, and that's what it, it's all or nothing in politics. And uh, I really respect the fact that, first of all, that you put yourself out there, you ran, you won, you put yourself out there, you ran and lost. That, that can't be easy. No, no, of course not. It, it never is. But it's just like a sport or anything else. You know, um, you go through a whole season, uh, whether it's baseball or football or soccer or anything like that. And, you, you know, you're you're playing for a championship and you end up after all that work and everything, losing, and no, it's not easy, and saying you came in second is, is okay, mm-hmm. but, you know, look, that's just the way it is, yeah. um, and uh, you you care about, in, in my particular case, the problem with both Chris and myself is that we care so much about the city. I swore I wasn't going to watch any council meetings. <laughs> yeah, but now you're watching <laughs> them all. you know what happens, right? Yeah. You know what happens. Yeah. You, you're... you're you're engrossed in certainly in on certain issues that were near and dear to you, and I, you know, we have some of those, and so when we look at the agenda, we say, oh, here we go. We we got to watch this and see how they handle it and see what they do, and sometimes they they do a, a, a commendable job, and sometimes we're just not happy, but that's just the way it is, yeah. you know? Yeah, I certainly do know that, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons I was a, a board chairman of the Gulf Shore Playhouse for 15 years, I'm just very pleased with what we accomplished over that period of time, a great leader with Kristen Corey and the producing artistic director oh, and founder. Sure. She's just outstanding, but it was a pleasure to work in partnership with her. But, you know, when I left the board, when I left uh, president of the board, 
or chairman of the board, I decided, hey, look, I can't be in this organization anymore because uh, yeah, I'm going to start second-guessing the decisions that people make, and that's not going to be fair to the other people that come aboard. So I resigned well, from the board, yeah. and uh, I think it was a good decision. Yeah, well, it, 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 yeah, it definitely is, because anybody that does that as an afterthought, you know, where you're coming in and you're putting your two cents in, A, people don't want to hear it, right? you know, and B, it doesn't do any good. So yeah. That was that's a good choice. Yeah, good choice. Well, thank you, Bill. So, uh, any thoughts on the city? I mean, what any anything your commentary about what's going on? Well, I can I can tell you, Bob, that uh, that yesterday they they had three speakers from Gulf Shore uh, neighborhood and other neighborhoods and said, "Look, people, you need to reconsider the mask ordinance that the county has passed." Um, and because we are the oldest population in the city, and they happen to be correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so council is going to take another look at that, I think. Well, they were trying to get it for the November 18th meeting, but I think it's going to be on December 3rd. They're going to take another look at that and, and see because it's going to be seasons coming up and whatever. So yeah. they might just adopt what the county has adopted. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that was on the agenda yesterday. And they have a lot of a lot of projects, and they started doing the ethics thing yesterday. Uh, they appointed a few to the new ethics commission, and uh, so they're trying to get that thing organized and 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 cranked up. And uh, we can talk more about that on the show next week. I'll give you some more details. Well, I'll look forward to that again. Bill Barnett, mayor of Naples. For years, I still refer to, of course, even officially, you are uh, Mayor Bill. So, <laughs> just, <Yeah>. just generally, <laughs> I am. <laughs> appreciate your commentary here in the bill. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks, Bob, and congratulations on your eyes. Take care. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's so interesting. I mean, one of the things that happened uh, uh, in Florida, one, one of the things that did not escape my attention is Florida voters had made more than just a presidential election on their hands when they went to the polls on Tuesday. This amendment to the Florida amendment, the, the ballot initiative, offering voters the chance to hike the state's minimum wage to $15 by 2026. However, Florida has the rules. Now it has to be take 60% of the vote, but guess what? They actually attained 61% of the vote to, to do this. Look, uh, the, the minimum wage is zero. If you don't have a job, you don't make any money. What, what I think something like this does, it'd be great if you could make, uh, wave a magic wand and have everybody make a, you know, $100 an hour. You're choosing $15? Well, you can't do that by fiat. It has unintended consequences. And by the way, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, uh, as one person quoted at one time. But uh, I think there's tons of good intentions with this rule. But you can't mandate it. What's going to happen is younger people getting their first job, there's going to have less opportunity for that. Who's going to hire somebody that has no skills and doesn't have never worked before, quite frankly? It's going to be a problem. Uh, and beyond that, uh, you know, not people don't People don't work for $15 an hour in order to support their family. There's got to be more effort on everybody's part in order to take care of the family. So this limits opportunity. It limits opportunities for small business. It limits opportunities for new people coming into the workplace. It's just a mistake. And unfortunately, you know, we've mandated it here in the state of Florida. 61% of the vote just reminds me, you had that conversation with Keith Law uh, earlier today, uh, how we need to ramp up and improve our education system because people who understand economics understand this just won't work. And it's uh, it, it hasn't worked anywhere and it won't work here in Florida. Well, that's a wrap here in today, today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Um, I'd like to have uh, better news now with the election, but unfortunately, uh, we, we're just going to have to go through this process until we all get this resolved uh, legally. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the uh, Cato Institute. Always enjoy our conversations with uh, William. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? She also writes commentary on travel, dining, and entertainment in South Florida. And Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be joining us as well. He's the president and CEO, founder of Executive Management Services, doing business in over 40 states with over 6,000 employees. And he fought off the effort to unionize his employees using uh, a neutrality agreement, which would basically allow them to sign up his employees out of the workplace, at home, anywhere. They could in- intimidate them. Please sign this. 
He refused to do that. He said, if you're going to unionize us, you're going to have to do it by secret ballot. They never even allowed that to happen. They just went away. Anyhow, we'll be talking to Dave tomorrow as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.